Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show dedicated to exploring everything fringe, cryptic, and weird in the world. Today on the show, we are going to go into the dead internet theory, which is fascinating and paranoia-inducing. First of all, though, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Things are rarely what they seem at face value, though there are conspiracy theories that turn out to be true around 90% are usually bullshit. So keep control of your frame and don't get paranoid. Do your own research, think for yourself, and come to your own conclusions. And I'm saying that because this episode may shake some people's worldview up, scare some people, or even offend some people. I don't really want to create a black swan event. So if you're easily influenced by ideas that go against everything we think is established reality, you should probably skip out right now. But if you have mental fortitude and like being freaked out, then you're in for a treat. The dead internet theory is highly unsettling and makes one question reality and the extent to which we've allowed the corporate elite to govern our lives. In saying that, the theory hits home to a lot of people in their 30s especially. I think that most people who surfed the net in their early life understand instinctively that something is off about the internet and its modern incarnation. It's a subconscious nagging the gut telling us that this isn't the internet that we grew up with, but it's hard to express this intuition with words. The dead internet theory resonates with many people's uneasy feelings concerning what the internet has become and explores the idea that the entire world may be being gaslit. So let's get into it, shall we? I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. Illuminati Pirate is the genius mind behind the dead internet theory. I give him all credit concerning this topic and suggest that you check it out if you'd like to see the info for yourself. There will be a link in the show notes. However, it is also an amalgamation of many people's ideas put together by the author. He's the originator of the topic, but it's, it's a lot of different things he assembled. But these people don't know everything. And even Illuminati Pirate hasn't figured everything out. This topic is still open for anyone and everyone to analyze and add information to through research. And anyone who claims to know that they have all the answers to this topic are either maybe nuts or self-deluded or someone that you should just not trust. But everybody who grew up with the internet knows it's not the same internet that they grew up with. And we remember the times when it wasn't all geared towards monetizations and big tech filtering. The entire dead internet theory revolves around the idea that its modern incarnation 
is actually mostly empty, and the internet of the late 90s and 2000s is gone. You used to be able to go on the internet, and it was the same internet for everyone. There were no filters, and anyone could search for or make sites on whatever they wanted. It was the Wild West. Information from anyone and everyone was there for all. To many, it was the peak of empowerment for ordinary people, finally communicating and sharing knowledge without establishment filters. Many people today, who are younger than 30, think that the internet is an endless source of human information going back 25 years with anyone and everyone able to add to it and take away information from it. However, most are unaware that hyperlinks don't last forever, and in reality, the internet may be shrinking, not growing. The theory that the internet is dead states the possibility that the internet is primarily devoid of people. Compared to 2007 and before, it's not nearly as inhabited with both people and information. It's also devoid of content. Whereas before, there was literally an infinite amount of sites that people visited. In modern times, everyone only visits a handful of sites the mainstream are all prodded to inhabit. Also, with these mega corporations, these uh, big tech companies denying the existence of algorithms for so long, now being factually proven to exist, but not only exist, but for individual personal algorithms to exist. This is common knowledge now to those who look for the info, and it was basically spun as a good thing, but the rabbit hole goes even deeper. Essentially, with how bots work today, that's open to public knowledge with their AI and whatnot. I mean, it seems pretty advanced, but we got to remember that all technology open to public awareness has already been around for 10 to 15 years prior. And knowing that, just how damn powerful are bots and AI truly? We don't know. We won't know how powerful that they are in our current time until 10 to 15 years from now, when it becomes open public knowledge. So with personal algorithms, and who knows how advanced a modern AI truly is, there's also the possibility that these algorithms and AI pretty much put people in rooms as an analogy. The websites may appear the same. We may actually all be in different rooms of that same website and around 40% of people actually bots. Sounds super weird, right? I did somewhat notice something like this when I first made my own website back in 2017. However, I assure you, there are no rooms or algorithms that are manipulating you on my websites. But I did notice that it doesn't come up all the time if you search for it. Like, um, if I searched for it on my own hardware, yes, it would pop up. But when I did it from other devices not connected to me, such as like maybe a work computer or something like that, somebody else's computer, it wouldn't be there. So I'm not saying that this theory is fully true, but personal algorithms are 100% real. Later on, my website would show up easier after I fixed all my SEO issues and other nerdy geek stuff that I won't bore you with. But that kind of tripped me out when I first encountered it because before that, I thought that everybody would search for stuff and they'd all get the same thing. That was the first moment where I realized, wait a second, <laughs> Something, something's not how I thought it was. Illuminati Pirate says that the internet of today is entirely sterile. There is nowhere to go and nothing to do, see, read, or experience anymore. It all imploded into a handful of corporate sites that are just empty husks we inhabit. 
Yes, the internet may seem gigantic, but it's like a hot air balloon with nothing inside. Some of this is absolutely the fault of corporations and government entities. However, that doesn't explain the following. Quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, I can't say exactly what he says word for word, otherwise I might get censored. But um, here we go. I used to be in perpetual contact with a solid number of people across multiple sites. Across the years, each and every one of them vanished without a trace. None of them were into weird stuff or anything remotely questionable or controversial. Yet, they all simply vanished in a puff of smoke, no matter the site, no matter the communication platform. There was no goodbye or explanation. I've seen the same threads, the same pics, and the same replies reposted over and over across the years to the point of me seeing it as unremarkable. Simply put, thread A would be posted in, say, 2015, and would get its share of replies or pics. Then that very same thread, with the same text, pics, and replies, would appear in 2016 and beyond. This often happens in the same year, multiple times as well. Of course, slash pull slash is getting shilled and bot posted to death, but why recycle a completely innocent thread? Who is doing this and why? Stuff like this won't be noticed by your average poster, perhaps, but I and other veterans will inevitably notice it. I think I saw the same happen on other non-image board sites but I can't vouch for it as strongly as the above because of the time I spend there. Not much. What I do vouch for is the news. I've seen news about this or that new and unusual or shocking event this year, year after year after year, but it's the same goddamn event, usually moons or asteroids. Roughly in 2016 or early 2017, 4chan was filled with posts by someone or something. It wasn't spam. The conversations with it were in real time, across multiple boards and multiple threads simultaneously. Its English was grammatically correct, but odd. I'm not a native English speaker and I'm thus sensitive to its misuse, similar to how a Japanese person may use it. A sense of a childlike curiosity and a childlike intellect emanated from these posts. It posted a lot of questions usually as if trying to understand the emotions of the posters it was talking to, as if unfamiliar with human emotions. Communicating with this poster was an odd experience. I could sense something was off, but not malicious. I am absolutely certain this was an AI of some sorts. This poster was active for only about a week, and as far as I know, nobody has ever mentioned or noticed this Anon. Its replies were always on topic, but the above-mentioned childishness clashed with the apparent knowledge it possessed. It was the knowledge of an adult person, so it wasn't a kid or something of the sort. Raptor Jesus, who went extinct for our sins, first it was this reptilian messiah, then foul bachelor frog, and then Pepe. Am I the only one who sees a clear evolution? A link? It's as if this meme or entity or... Whatever the fuck was on 4chan since day one and has grown within it from the tiniest seed. Yet Raptor Jesus was fully just a joke. There was nothing serious or mystical about it. Reminder, I was there. Remember that Ted guy with the right wing talk show, CCA, prior to 2010, whom 4chan ruined for the lulls? Remember Anonymous vs. Scientology? 
Remember that fake bomb threat, a.k.a. exploding yellow van? End quote. I don't want to fully just quote his quotes, and it goes on for a while, but that's straight from the horse's mouth. Is it possible that the entire world is being gaslit? Is it possible that a lot of the mainstream is on rails? The theory asks these questions. Have you noticed a bizarre transformation of entertainment? How about their Hollywood stuff? Music, perhaps? Have you noticed how sterile fiction has become? How it caters to the lowest common denominator and follows the same template over and over again? How music is just auto-tunes and basic blandness? This conspiracy theory states that algorithms and computer programs are manufacturing modern fiction. No human being is behind these things. This is why anime looms so large in modern times. Even a simple anime series has heart because there's actual people with passion behind it. And we all intuitively feel this. That's why a lot of people are so drawn towards manga and anime in the modern times. And I mean, I gotta kind of agree with them in a lot of ways because I prefer foreign stuff to our, our modern media stuff because it's just, <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I don't think that algorithms, AI, and bots create everything. I do think that entertainment today is oddly hollow and heartless and bland. It's just the same thing over and over. Just recycled, repackaged, copy-paste. Um, I've been more so into anime. And recently I've been reading the entire Berserk series because I'm just not interested in Western content really anymore. And you should really read Berserk unless you uh, don't like dark stuff. If you like Game of Thrones, though, you'll like Berserk. I don't want to get off topic. My point is just that I kind of smell what Illuminati pirate is cooking. You all know that I love horror, and I, I feel like South Korean horror is like the best around in modern times. Like in the 2000s, it was Japanese, and then America would get all the Japanese stuff and remake it into their old thing. But now it's Korean horror that's really just amazing and unique. There just seems to be more heart around it. Like there are actual people with passion and not just corporate drones checking boxes. The rise of manga and anime popularity mirrors this and has gained such ground because it feels more human and authentic. Which is a weird thing to say concerning anime. But human beings are always, on a very primal level, drawn towards authenticity. So it makes sense. But what may be unsettling for some is that Illuminati Pirate is actually correct in some very real-world correlations with the theory, because roughly around 40% of the internet is indeed bots. This is factual. A funny thing concerning that too is how YouTube and Google were actually worried that there would be so many bots, the systems that they got to de like detect bots would switch. They would think that real people were bots and that the bots were real people. They were scared that this filter was going to kind of malfunction because there were so many bots. And many of these bots are designed to outrage you and keep you engaged on a site as long as possible. There's aspects of this theory that I very much really do vibe with, especially when there's empirical evidence to back it up. But at, the, but at the same time, there's a lot that I can just outright dismiss concerning this theory. However, that's just my own subjectivity, though. 
I don't want to tell you what to think. And I could very much be wrong anyway. No one has the answers, and things are rarely how we conceptualize them in our own minds. Just make sure to keep that critical thinking filter up. An open mind is only keen if it's balanced with skepticism. And Illuminati Pirate goes pretty deep into tinfoil hat territory, saying that many online personalities are fake people, such as YouTube content creators who talk about this or that, and possibly many politicians, actors, and so forth may not even exist. Gotta remember, all technology that we see today is up to 15 years old. Who knows how advanced algorithms are, and CGI and deep fakes are far more advanced than we are led to believe, and we can't even trust our eyes anymore. If you don't know what I'm talking about concerning deep fakes, I suggest you go look for it because they're pretty impressive now. So just imagine how advanced they truly are behind closed doors. Many people, events, news, and so on may be wholly fictional. I mean, it's hard for me to say, I can't tell the difference between the real people and the deep fakes sometimes. They're so good right now. They're pretty amazing. But then again, this becomes very subconsciously unnerving to entertain because it means we very well may be living in a world that has a lot in common with the Matrix movies. But I mean, come on, let's face it. It's pretty objective that our perception of the world is mostly smoke and mirrors. The theory also states that the internet that people interact with is different based on personal algorithms that filter all you're able to see and search, which is true. But it also says that there's different internets based on if you're using your phone, desktop, or whatever. An experiment you can do is go to any busy popular site like Facebook or whatever and check in and out using different devices. Eventually, you'll start to notice that there's different comments, different likes, and stuff like that. By spending a couple days randomly checking in this manner, you'll notice quite the difference. I experimented with this personally for a bit and didn't notice anything. But I'm not really a social media person and can't stand being on those types of sites for too long. However, I do remember experiencing some anomalies here and there concerning this part of the theory. Not necessarily when I was looking for it, but you know, in the past, if you think about it, I'm pretty sure you can remember a couple times that weird stuff was going down. And like you, I just thought it was glitchy in the past, but I'm going to be much more discerning and inquisitive from now on. But to think that it might truly be possible that a lot of the people that we interact with aren't real, well, that's just seems sci-fi and dystopian, but it's very much a possibility. The theory also states that there is some sort of internal big tech civil cold war going on. They're not necessarily all united or out for the same stuff or work together, which is uh, it's probably good because if they were all working together, we'd be totally screwed. But there is definitely an information war going on, to which I do agree with. And it seems like some plans were ruined concerning a long term project of clandestine forces. However, it was not the first time that plans like this have been ruined because the theory also states that it's been in the works for a while and gives a rough timeline for the most part. And this timeline is pretty creepy because a lot of the things on it can be objectively proven from empirical evidence. And we'll briefly check that timeline out after a quick break. You're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. <laughs> Do you like food? Do you not like going places? Do you like staying home and having food brought to you? Well, 
you're in luck, because a thing called Blue Apron exists. With multiple pricing, there's a way to get the gourmet delicious meals under any budget. And it's totally worth it. Cryptic Chronicles would not promote Blue Apron unless it knew how good it is for you. With all the junk and everything these days, the majority of people sustain themselves on poison and don't even know it. A healthy spirit, mind, and body requires a healthy lifestyle, and the ability to take care of yourself, and feed your body all the nutrients it needs to function at its best in our highly demanding lives. You get to choose your own meals. The chef-designed recipes include balanced Mediterranean delicacies, quick one-pan dinners, and top-rated customer favorites. Unpack your home delivered box with enthusiasm because there's a guarantee on freshness and the highest quality of all Blue Apron products and ingredients. Create magic following our step-by-step instructions, you'll experience the magic of cooking recipes that the master Blue Apron chefs created with your family's tastes in mind. With step-by-step instructions, so you never miss a beat and have to get frustrated about making the meal. I know I do that. At least, when I'm not eating a delicious Blue Apron meal that is responsibly sourced, quality ingredients like fresh produce, sustainable seafood and exclusive spice blends means you're going to have a meal that's top tier over the common fast food garbage most people eat. And Blue Apron cares about the environment, which is another reason I love them so much, with recyclable ice packs and packaging to ensure your ingredients stay fresh until you're home and ready and easily disposable for the health of Mother Earth. Do yourself a favor, and take care of your body and mind the way nature intended it, with a healthy meal that's also gloriously delicious. With Blue Apron, the yummy goodness is dropped off right to your very doorstep. So if you like food, and you like not going places, then why not try Blue Apron, and give your mind a rest from going to crowded grocery stores, and writing a list of stuff to get, only to forget half. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E dot com. <laughs> Yo, 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 are we good to go or what? Let's do this. I'm back. I assume you know what DARPA is? Well, DARPA had a project going that was cataloging everything that there is to know about all Americans, to which obviously many freedom-loving Americans railed against, and it was shut down in 2004. But get this. When DARPA's LifeLog project was shut down, Facebook was launched which basically does the same thing. Odd coincidence there, right? And in 2004, all the way through to 2012, the NSA picked up DARPA's project and renamed it, calling it the Total Informational Awareness Project. Link in the show notes. So you can prove to yourself that it's a real thing in the real world and not a conspiracy theory. But the the project is basically all about spying on and collecting information on literally everyone. In 2012, the Smith-Month Modernization Act gave the U.S. government full legal authority to use propaganda against its own population, (laughs) Uh, undoing rules which were put into place after Operation Mockingbird's discovery and the Church Committee, link in the show notes, so you can see that this is real-world stuff here, and I urge you to verify for yourself. 
But the, yeah, the United States government has a legal authority to use propaganda against its own people, which is ridiculous. And in 2012 through 2016, a massive amount of DARPA and NSA contracts were given to Google, Facebook, Amazon, etc. Think of the big tech oligarchy, they're hand in hand with the NSA and DARPA. In 2016, leaked memos dating back to 2016 found in 2018 of Google's Selfish Ledger project. Link in the show notes. Also in 2016, Google released a bunch of neural linguistic machine learning programs. In 2017, deepfake leaks start to be released. In 2018, Reddit, YouTube, etc. Vote and view counts are fake and completely manipulated. Again, link in the show notes. Though on that last bit, it doesn't mean that everything's entirely fake. That would just be ridiculous. Obviously, there's people clicking like and watching stuff that really exists. It's just that if it goes against what they're trying to push or what they don't want people to see, basically, if it's if there's an agenda behind it, it's usually manipulated in some way. It's it's pretty obvious what the theory is suggesting here, but pretty much it's that the U.S. government is engaging in artificial intelligence-powered gaslighting of entire countries. I mean, come on, though. I think most people are kind of aware, even subconsciously, of this reality to an extent. I was pretty aware of this after reading The New Rules of War by Sean McFate. If you know me, you know I'm a sucker for strategy, tactics, and conflict. My favorite book of all time is easily The Art of War, and I have read it more times than I can count. And for many, many, many years, Sean has been on the front lines of deep state conflicts and has studied and taught the history and practice of war like across the world. It's a fantastic book. He's seen firsthand the horrors of battle and understands the depth and complexity of the current global military situation. And in the book, he details how the real war is information, propaganda, and proxies in our era. There are international criminal empires that have no loyalty to a country or state, with borders meaning little to nothing to them. And mercenaries in information war are the future of conflict in our era because traditional warfare just doesn't work anymore. Especially with all of our super weapons that could destroy the world a hundred times over with just the push of a button. It's an awesome book and you should read it if you want to have a clearer view of the current world stage. I should warn you though, if you go too deep into this kind of rabbit hole, it makes interacting with normies when they talk about these topics kind of a test in patience. Like everybody wants the classical, oh, we have our armies and our we're gonna conquer here and send our troops here and there and blah, 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 blah. It's like that time is gone. The future of war is mercenaries, proxy wars, subterfuge, etc. And it may sound kind of horrific and scary, but slowly as we go into the future, our borders will start to kind of disappear slowly. Not cultures, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to go into the, like, what's the right word? You know, like the NWO agenda, like a lot of people say or whatever. It just seems to be the natural way that we're progressing and evolving as a species. Nature's favorite way of making anything progress and evolve and innovate is through conflict, through struggle. So the more technologically advanced we get, that struggle and conflict isn't going to go away. It's just going to get, it's just going to change form, which it is doing right before our eyes. Anyway, I don't want to go too into that. If you want to check out the book, go ahead and look for it. I'll leave a link because I digress. 
My point is just that the information war aspect of the dead internet theory is verifiable and not going anywhere. A lot of what we see is straight up theater. What's said in the book coincides nicely with the dead internet theory. There's a large scale deliberate effort to manipulate culture and discourse online and in a wider culture by utilizing a system of bots and paid employees whose job it is to produce content and respond to content online in order to further the agenda of those they are employed by, which is usually just to keep you engaged on that website as long and as much as possible by any means necessary. Allegedly, we've already seen this in foreign nations influencing elections by manipulating advertising algorithms on social media in order to push specific candidates and completely indoctrinating and addicting people through positive feedback loops and dopamine feedback loops. When humans are raised with the indoctrination of requiring validation, the mind will seek out recognition through information they spread or absorb. You'll notice that other than YouTube, there's no dislike button. And YouTube has been trying to get rid of the dislike button for years. It's a throwback to when the site was unfiltered and whatnot back when it was really about individuals making videos. But through only having positive reactions, these sites subconsciously push only positive or accepted opinions. People become too cowardly to risk not getting their validation, not only from an emotional need, but just their desire to be accepted by others. So they will stick to what they see as acceptable things to say and think, making negative opinions obsolete and forcing herd narratives. The theory goes on to state that this is responsible for the obsessions with trends and a need to always quote unquote, listen to the experts, even if they are bought and paid for through corporate funding. Everyone has become copy paste with little in the way of individual thinking or authenticity. It's this instantaneous positive feedback loop that gets people hooked on tribalism and polarization. It creates the need to be in the know concerning trends not to miss out, and to play it safe and accept what everyone else has already accepted. So essentially, the internet, which was supposed to liberate and democratize media for ordinary people and create whatever content they want, has been hijacked and become the tool of corporate elite. Bots, algorithms, and filters are the future. The internet used to be all about individual content creation and making and talking about whatever you want. No corporate algorithms were controlling what everyone saw and anyone could look up any information without any problems. There were no paid influencers manipulating people, bots, algorithms, or focused witch hunts because the internet was free and there was complete anonymity. No mega corporations selling your data and tracking your every move and the like. <laughs> now, I know I said this, but we gotta remember that all technology made aware to the public is about 10 to 15 years old. Think about what we know about bots and what they are capable of now. Well, jack that up to 100 and you probably have a closer look at just how advanced the technology truly is. After all, there are bots that can do things way faster than how fast we can type or click a mouse. These bots can easily pose as people and repeat opinions more and more and more at the speed of light. Even if someone has anonymity online and tries to oppose the bots and um, their opinion that they're spreading, there's no way that a human can influence a bot. It's the ultimate weaponization to manipulate the gullible public and anyone with an agenda can use a bot. 
This creates propaganda that has an immense advantage over ordinary people's opinions because the bot's opinions will never change and people addicted to positive feedback loops will mindlessly copy them. Hence, why the internet feels so empty and soulless lately. Narrative Science is one of the first companies to get really into this AI stuff, and it's been under the public's nose for a long time. Narrative is the opposite of the truth. Well, not really, but it, um, what I mean is it's narratives are alter, like it's altering reality or information or other things to a specific point of view that you want to spread, not necessarily the truth. And it's because of all this AI stuff that the theory says that society is becoming artificial due to feedback loops, bots, algorithms, and handpicked influencers. I'm going to step aside real quick and say that though much of this theory does have credibility and there are some facts in there within context, there is still a lot that can be disregarded. And if you read the new Rules of War book I mentioned earlier, the future of our planet is not going to go to the direction that we all think it is. Those at the top know this and can't let normies figure it out because they don't want it to lead to chaos. If you think that AI is scary after all of this algorithm bot stuff I've been talking about, well, you ain't heard nothing yet, but I'll save that for a future episode. I really do want to talk about a couple of books that I've read on AI recently, and it gets pretty freaky, but still fascinating. I was chatting on the Cryptic Chronicles Discord server with the armed Trotsky, one of my homies, and the idea was brought up of so what? As in, so what if the theory is true? And the armed Trotsky had the following to say that I found kind of interesting. Quote, The other argument I would make about the dead internet theory is a so what argument. It only matters if we value human intelligence over all others. But if we break it down to a value of interaction and not the intelligence behind it, it changes the game. This is a version of the whole X is bad, X says Y, therefore Y is bad, invalid argument. If Y has value independent of X, then why does it matter if X said it? And we make these type of decisions subconsciously all the time. Example, David Bowie was kind of a shitty person in the 70s and 80s, but his music during that period was great. The value of the art he made isn't necessarily dependent on his character. Therefore, we can enjoy the art independent of the artist." End quote. The armed Trotsky would argue that the dead internet theory is almost necessarily a form of radical skepticism, but in sync with other popular thought experiments. And I agree. And it may be unnerving to interact with people who aren't real, but do the bots think that they're real? What if the bots thought that they were real? <laughs> now hear me out here. This is philosophical and a mind experiment. This kind of broke my mind a little bit. The philosophical zombie thought experiment questions if consciousness is physical or non-physical. To quote the armed Trotsky, dead internet theory boils down to the idea that our interactions are with entities that were indistinguishable from actual sentience. And the philosophical zombie, or P-zombie, argument is used in the support of mind-body dualism against forms of physicalism, such as materialism, behaviorism, and functionalism in scientism. 
These arguments aim to refute the possibility of any physicalist solution to the hard problem of consciousness. The problem of accounting for subjective, intrinsic, first-person, what-it's-likeness. I hope you understand that. But proponents of philosophical zombie arguments, such as the philosopher David Chalmers, argue that since a philosophical zombie is by definition physically identical to a conscious person, even its logical possibility would refute physicalism, because it would establish the existence of conscious experience as a further fact. Such arguments have been criticized by many philosophers. Some physicalists, like Daniel Dennett, argue that philosophical zombies are logically incoherent and thus impossible. Other physicalists, like Christopher Hill, argue that philosophical zombies are coherent, but not metaphysically possible. Philosophical zombies are associated with David Chalmers, but it was philosopher Robert Kirk who first used the term zombie in this context in 1974. Prior to that, Keith Campbell made a similar argument in his 1970 book, Body and Mind, using the term imitation man. However, Chalmers further developed and popularized the idea in his work. There has been a lively debate about what the zombie argument shows. Critics who primarily argue that zombies are not conceivable include Daniel Dennett, Nigel J.T. Thomas, David Brandon Mitchell, and Robert Kirk. Critics who assert mostly that conceivability does not entail possibility include Catelyn Balag, Keith Frankish, Christopher Hill, and Stephen Yablo. And critics who question the logical validity of the argument include George Beeler. You may not be familiar with these names, but they're pretty important in modern philosophy, just trust me. In his 2019 update to the article on philosophical zombies in the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, Kirk summed up the current state of the debate, quote, in spite of the fact that the argument on both sides have become increasingly sophisticated, or perhaps because of it, they have not become more persuasive. The pull in each direction remains strong. A 2013 survey of professional philosophers conducted by Borget and Chalmers produced the following results. 35.6 said that P-zombies were conceivable, but not metaphysically possible. 23.3 said that they were metaphysically possible, 16% said that they were inconceivable, and 25.1 responded, other. So as you can see, this debate is still raging. And there's different types of philosophical zombies as well. A behavioral zombie, that is behaviorally indistinguishable from a human. A neurological zombie, that has a human brain and is generally physiologically indistinguishable from a human. A soulless zombie that lacks a soul. A zombie universe that is identical to our world in all ways, except no being in that world is real in our context. At least that's what Wikipedia has to say on the matter, and to be honest, I'm not really good at explaining it. If you want to learn more about the P-Zombies, then go ahead and, and look it up yourself because I did not do a good idea of explaining it. But do you think that there could be bots that replicate sentience to the point that they're indistinguishable from humans? If so, what would this mean for the future? The armed Trotsky says that the P-Zombie theory isn't actually a real position people hold, 
but a thought experiment that shows if one only relies on naturalism slash physicalism. One can't distinguish between sentience and a pea zombie. In essence, if you stick to the paradigm that most people are programmed with from birth, you would never be able to tell. And depending on where you're coming from, the philosophical zombie thought experiment will make you question reality pretty hardcore. I hope that's not too confusing, but the philosophical zombie thought experiment and the dead internet theory are similar in nature to a degree. And this could also get us into the psychological term known as black swan events, which is a single event that causes an instant and complete paradigm change in a person and how they view the world. Just learning about the dead internet theory or understanding the philosophical zombie thought experiment could initiate a black swan event in people. After all, what if so much of what we view to be real and how the world quote unquote is in its truest sense is shown to be an illusion? What if the internet isn't real? What if the 1% are using AI to gaslight the entire world population? If that's not a black swan event, I don't know what is. Black swan events can drastically alter a person's personality and how they interact with the world, like in a, in a, in a pretty big way. For example, think about 9-11. Before 9-11, if you brought up the idea of certain things you might be worried about, of people bringing things on planes, people would just think you were nuts. After 9-11 though, <laughs> let's just say you can't even really bring anything on a plane other than your clothes. But black swan events have also not only changed the way that we see the world as a whole, but they've caused mental breakdowns, the destruction of relationships, you name it. They're pretty destructive and can have huge repercussions on someone's mental health. And once that someone has a black swan event occur, there's no way to go back. And if anybody challenges that new way that they see things from the black swan event, they will be solidified against that person in many ways. Like it only makes their ideals that they've just accepted and changed stronger. You get my drift. So even if later other evidence comes up that completely takes away the validity of the, what caused the event in the first place, like if it wasn't real or something like that, then that person's black swan event still occurred and cannot be reversed. Doesn't matter what you show them. Doesn't matter what you say to them. The way that they viewed the world before is gone. And it's never coming back. So what if these bots and algorithms could create artificial black swan events in people? It's a disturbing thought, but luckily I don't think they're quite there yet because that means that you would have to literally create like a false matrix around people. But who knows, maybe they can do that, I don't know. The Arm Trotsky and I had a pretty long conversation about this on the Discord server and also said that without even giving the idea credence, though it strongly parallels the dead internet theory, the philosophical zombie mind experiment, and that there are entities that are fundamentally indistinguishable from humans and their actions, thoughts, behaviors, but the responses aren't actually linked to actual qualia, i.e. independent subjective conscious state they would be an actual example of a pea zombie. So is it possible that we can put this argument of the philosophical zombie to rest because of the dead internet theory and how advanced AI and bots are? 
because they could legitimately exist now in a very objective way. There was some pretty ridiculous breakthroughs in robotics, which perfectly aligns with what we're talking about and may foreshadow a pretty interesting and darker, not necessarily darker, but not what we thought would happen in humanity's future concerning AI and robotics and whatnot. And we'll get into it after a short break. Don't go anywhere. there. Thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third-party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicle. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course, Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. But most of all, thanks for listening. All right, I got a fresh cup of black coffee. So I'm good to go. Let's get into some robotics. So from Slate.com, it's um, it's basically a, a site that's like in collaboration with Arizona State University, New America, and it's it's legit. Let's start then. This uh this article is called "The Emotional Uncanny Valley" and talks about some pretty little known advancements in AI. Back when this information was released, there was a bunch of headlines saying that. Robots had passed a self-awareness test. Naturally, the articles made the semi-joking reference to Skynet and robot overlords that seemed to accompany every minor development in robotics or artificial intelligence. Missing from that coverage was any thoughtful discussion about what it means for a robot to pass a self-awareness test. 
Typically, artificial intelligence breakthroughs don't live up to the press release. You know, for example, the misleading claims that AI was as smart as a four-year-old, if you remember that. But if anything, the journalists here actually undersold the test's true implications. No, the robots aren't really self-aware in the way we are. They were designed to be zombies, pretty much just like the philosophical zombies I was just talking about. And that aside from their lack of conscious experience, feelings and sensations, and subjective conscious experience can reproduce behavior that we perceive to be self-aware. How humans relate to these robot zombies will likely be an enormous social problem. A kind of emotional uncanny valley that robot designers will need to use every trick in their toolbox to surmount if robots will live among us. And even that may not be enough to help us adjust to the notion that your future coworker may be behaviorally indistinguishable from you, but nonetheless will still be no more conscious than a rock. Pretty weird, right? The robots were designed to be zombies, not self-aware in any way we are, but are able to pass as sentient. This brings the philosophical zombie thought experiment into reality and the possibility of the dead internet theory being real entirely possible. These AI will show all the signs of a sentient, self-aware human and even show pain in a physical sense while not truly feeling anything concerning, you know, the robotics aside. If this was pushed in a widespread manner without public awareness, the black swan event could be apocalyptic. But how could people be so blind that they couldn't you know, they couldn't um, see or understand that uh, the internet is an illusion. I mean, are people really that easy to fool? Well, you'd be surprised the kind of scale that many nations in a semi-recent history have gone through to do something called a Potemkin village. The internet just has to seem alive and well in the way that they want to portray to people. It doesn't really have to be that. And a Potemkin village is, it's like what North Korea does when it has visitors. It has staged grocery stores for outsiders to see that are full of fruit and basically what an abundant, prosperous country who has grocery stores should look like. There are well-dressed people everywhere posing as typical citizens and give off the impression that everything is awesome and the country is doing great and everyone is happy. But obviously it's all like baked and staged. It's all actors and sets and just built specifically for certain places for certain people to see to give off the impression of uh, abundance and everything going great and whatnot. Communist countries are notorious for doing this, like it's in the Soviet Union, China, anywhere, you name it. The term comes from a person that I can't remember the date right now, but it was a Russian czar who had which queen? One of the queens from England visiting the country, and he set up Potemkin villages everywhere. And his name was Potemkin, the name stuck, and now he's basically a meme for being fake. But you'd be surprised that a lot of these people who follow the dead internet theory, they think that Google is a Potemkin village. And you may wonder how the biggest search site in the world could be fake. But you can actually do some interesting experiments yourself that raise an eyebrow. If you search a popular term, literally billions of results will show on the result number, but only around seven to 10 links will show up on the first page. If you keep on clicking, 
the next page of results and the next and the next, the numbers will eventually start to shift randomly in the millions. And eventually with enough effort, the true amount of results will be at the end, which is usually around 500. And how could the biggest search engine in the world only have around 500 results for popular mainstream topics? And why would the engine say it has billions of results when you first search? The theory is Potemkin Village. However, knowing I've, I've built websites, I've built websites, knowing what I know with SEO and whatnot, uh, there's some plausible reasons why this happens. It's not necessarily the dead internet theory dystopia, but more in line with the authentic aspect of internet rot. Links die out and decay and are changed and altered over time. This is a natural aspect of the internet that people don't really know about or talk about, but it's true. So even though we could go down the rabbit hole, there's also plausible reasons. Google seems to be a Potemkin village, as well as large swaths of the internet as a whole for that matter. The internet's, <laughs> I mean, come on, it's like over 25 years old now. And for years, people have thought that it's an endless amount of accumulated human knowledge that just grows and grows and grows with an endless amount of possible information in it. But this is a misconception. Sites and links and information on the internet must be maintained. This all requires constant maintenance. I gotta do my maintenance on stuff like a couple times a week. So yes, the internet does steadily grow, but it also shrinks consistently. The shrinking comes from link rot and content drift. Hyperlinks are what make the internet work, but if the links connected to the hyperlinks are not maintained or they move, like if stuff changes, to put it bluntly, it means the information you found easily just like five years ago is now unfindable. <laughs> Even though it still exists, you just, good luck. And this is content drift. It's like a boat drifting off into an endless ocean out of sight. But content drift isn't nearly as damaging to the internet as link rot. Link rot means that whatever information was there is just now bye-bye for good and there's no way to fix it. Whereas with content drift, it can be fixed if you can find the stuff and relink everything. So a skeptic could easily say that the anomalous results in Google searches are from link rot and their argument would not lack merit, though not be correct at the same time. But whether on purpose or from link rot and content drift, Google is kind of a Potemkin village to a degree, just from objectively looking at it because a lot of the stuff isn't real or there anymore that it tries to tell you is in the results. Those results don't exist. Billions and billions of results. And link rot actually even affects the United States government with thousands of Supreme Court cases, links no longer usable. And this is the highest level of government. <laughs> so uh, if that's a thing, then a lot of the internet is very much dead. Or is it a zombie? Because since the birth of the internet, 70% of its links don't work anymore. And yes, you heard that right. 70% of the links on the internet don't work anymore. What is going on here, right? The internet is mostly dead. 40% bots, echo chamber algorithms, and AI manipulation. <laughs> There's definitely something fishy out there. The internet thrived because it was decentralized, lacking a center or controlling authority. Starting with the rise of smartphones back in 2007, it became increasingly centralized, 
to the point where only six companies control its content and seem to be colluding together. And a focus on profit from ads became the sole focus of many such companies instead of diverse knowledge and accumulated wisdom of the masses and history and everything. And this push created the dark web. Well, the dark web was always, always there. That's not necessarily true, but it greatly cultivated the dark web and the deep web. Yes, they're different. And who knows, maybe a second decentralized internet is just around the corner. We can call it Internet Part 2, The Revengeance. And it can be the decentralized Wild West awesome internet like that of the long, long ago, before the dark times, before the coming of the mega corporation empire. <laughs> I'm sorry, but always remember that humor is the best cure for everything. Oddly enough though, this modern world of ours, with all the information warfare and whatnot, has actually weirdly been predicted. The following clip comes from Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, which was released all the way back in 2001. At the point of the game where we're at, where I'm gonna show you the clip, uh, the secret agent, he's a secret agent, and he's basically finding out that the people who have been guiding him the entire time are actually not real people, but AIs. Not only that, but the, the Patriots, a group of these uh, secret society type organization people behind all of the stuff going on that they think are bad guys that they're looking for are actually not humans at all, but they're AIs that run the American government and the internet. So let's check it out real quick because it's basically the dead internet theory and legitimately aspects of our modern world. Raiden, are you receiving? We're still here. How's that possible? The AI was destroyed. Only GWs. Who are you? To begin with, we're not what you'd call human. Over the past 200 years, a kind of consciousness formed layer by layer in the crucible of the White House. It's not unlike the way life started in the oceans four billion years ago. The White House was our primordial soup a base of evolution. We are formless. We are the very discipline and morality that Americans invoke so often. How can anyone hope to eliminate us? As long as this nation exists, so will we. Cut the crap! If you're immortal, why would you take away individual freedoms and censor the net? <laughs> Jack, don't be silly. Don't you know that our plans have your interests, not ours, in mind? What? Jack, listen carefully, like a good boy. The mapping of the human genome was completed early this century. As a result, the evolutionary log of the human race lay open to us. We started with genetic engineering, and in the end, we succeeded in digitizing life itself. But there are things not covered by genetic information. What do you mean? Human memories, ideas, culture, history. Genes don't contain any record of human history. Is it something that should not be passed on? Should that information be left at the mercy of nature? We've always kept records of our lives, through words, pictures, symbols, from tablets to books. But not all the information was inherited by later generations. A small percentage of the whole was selected and processed, then passed on. Not unlike genes, really. That's what history is, Jack. But in the current digitized world, 
Trivial information is accumulating every second, preserved in all its triteness, never fading, always accessible. Rumors about petty issues, misinterpretations, slander. All this junk data, preserved in an unfiltered state, growing at an alarming rate. It will only slow down social progress, reduce the rate of evolution. Right. You seem to think that our plan is one of censorship. Are you telling me it's not? You're being silly. What we propose to do is not to control content, but to create context. Create context? The digital society furthers human flaws and selectively rewards development of convenient half-truths. Just look at the strange juxtapositions of morality around you. Billions spent on new weapons in order to humanely murder other humans. Rights of criminals are given more respect than the privacy of their victims. Although there are people suffering in poverty, huge donations are made to protect endangered species. Everyone grows up being told the same thing. Be nice to other people. But beat out the competition. You're special. Believe in yourself and you will succeed. But it's obvious from the start that only a few can succeed. You exercise your right to freedom, and this is the result. All rhetoric to avoid conflict and protect each other from hurt. The untested truths spun by different interests continue to churn and accumulate in the sandbox of political correctness and value systems. Everyone withdraws into their own small gated community afraid of a larger forum. They stay inside their little ponds, leaking whatever truth suits them into the growing cesspool of society at large. The different cardinal truths neither clash nor mesh. No one is invalidated, but nobody is right. Not even natural selection can take place here. The world is being engulfed in truth. And this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. We're trying to stop that from happening. It's our responsibility as rulers. Just as in genetics, unnecessary information and memory must be filtered out to stimulate the evolution of the species. And you think you're qualified to decide what's necessary and not? Absolutely. Who else could wade through the sea of garbage you people produce, retrieve valuable truths, and even interpret their meaning for later generations? That's what it means to create context. I'll decide for myself what to believe and what to pass on. But is that even your own idea? Or something Snake told you? <sighs> That's the proof of your incompetence right there. You lack the qualifications to exercise free will. That's not true. I have the right. Does something like a self exist inside of you? That which you call self serves as nothing more than a mask to cover your own being. In this era of ready-made truths, self is just something used to preserve those positive emotions that you occasionally feel. Another possibility is that self is a concept you conveniently borrowed under the logic that would endow you with some sense of strength. That's crap! Is it? Would you prefer that someone else tell you? All right, then. Explain it to him. Jack, you're simply the best. And you got there all by yourself. <sighs> oh, what happened? Do you feel lost? Why not try a bit of soul-searching? Don't think you'll find anything, though. Ironic that although self is something that you yourself fashion, every time something goes wrong, 
you turn around and place the blame on something else. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. In denial, you simply resort to looking for another, more convenient truth in order to make yourself feel better. Leaving behind in an instant the so-called truth you once embraced. Should someone like that be able to decide what is truth? Should someone like you even have the right to decide? You've done nothing but abuse your freedom. You don't deserve to be free. We're not the ones smothering the world. You are. The individual is supposed to be weak, but far from powerless. A single person has the potential to ruin the world. And the age of digitized communication has given even more power to the individual. Too much power for an immature species. Building a legacy involves figuring out what is wanted and what needs to be done for that goal. All this you used to struggle with. Now, we think for you. We are your guardians, after all. You want to control human thought? Human behavior? Of course. Anything can be quantified nowadays. That's what this exercise was designed to prove. You fell in love with me just as you were meant to, after all. Isn't that right, Jack? Ocelot was not told the whole truth, to say the least. We rule an entire nation. Of what interest would a single soldier, no matter how able, be to us? The S3 plan does not stand for solid snake simulation. What it does stand for is selection for societal sanity. Pretty freaky, right? I already had an interest in AI, but this theory kind of increased it dramatically. And um, I'm going to dig into more books on the topic. It's crazy to know that whatever is known in the public eye is just a glimpse of what's truly possible. In the future, we could have an entire series of shows fully automated by AI bots and stuff like that who look real and act real as any humans and we'd never know the difference. Who knows, with these robots that can mimic sentience to the degree that it fools other AI, maybe the future of humanity is actually transhumanism, where eventually we'll have to link up with AI in some way. And of course, that's going to piss a lot of people off immediately, me saying that, and I know that, and they should be very uh, keen on keeping an eye on that kind of stuff. But of course, there's also the people who, if that does happen, they'll want to remain pure, like purely human. But I mean, if your competition can think a million times faster than you in complex ways beyond our current comprehension, then what's the point of remaining fully human? You'll basically just be, I mean, the AI slash like transhuman people or whatever, they may be cool about it and let you survive without messing with you, but you'd pretty much just be a zoo animal. A free zoo animal, I guess, but I mean, you would have no relevance in this society anymore, especially if we go interplanetary. But that also at the same time makes me think of, okay, so if we become like half AI, half normal human and become transhuman, that also makes it more possible for authoritarians to control us. But I'm just thinking out loud, FYI. I'm not trying to push transhumanism or anything like that. Just, uh, I was talking about it in one of the books I've been reading recently. However, there is a lot of conspiracy people out there who think that that's the end goal. Especially if you get into the UN conspiracy theories. Hell, even mainstream people think that, like Elon Musk, for example. And you know the elite are going to hop on that as soon as possible. And what would happen then? Would there be two distinct branches of the human race? Or would we all go in 
together, decide to go in together? What if the AI that can mimic sentience perfectly start to think that they're the real sentient entity and us humans are the fakes? I mean, I have so many questions and thoughts on this topic. Ugh, so baffling. But what about you? Would you take a super upgrade and become transhuman? What if the opposing option was to be left in the dust and live a way harder life than otherwise? But then again, what would this transhumanism mean concerning free will? Like I said, you'd be a lot more easy to influence through technology. But is free will even real now? Especially concerning all the knowledge that I've gained on the subconscious mind and the unconscious and like, um, just how much we aren't us and all of our thoughts and opinions and ideas are from exterior sources through the mainstream media, through being raised in culture, through all, all everything, through subliminal messaging, conditioning, whatever. It makes one question if free will is a real thing in the first place. And then you bring in quantum physics, physics, uh, quantum mechanics on top of that, where it's just like, is free will even real in the first place? But with the dead internet theory and the very real algorithms meant to manipulate us en masse, the future just makes me wonder, what will we define as freedom? And do ordinary people have a choice in the matter at all? I mean, they would probably be manipulated through a bunch of propaganda to not even question it. Nothing's written in stone, though. I'm just throwing spaghetti against the wall. But it brings me back to thinking also about what the armed Trotsky said, saying that, so what? So what if the dead internet theory is true? And then the Sons of Liberty, the Patriots, AI robots saying all that stuff, who they're AIs that have good intentions, but their intention is still pretty dystopian. But it's like, so what? What's the better alternative? Complete chaos? Everybody at each other's throats all the time? I'm not going one way or the other. It's definitely food for thought. Remember that the dead internet theory is very much most likely wrong concerning a lot of things. There's a lot of it that you can just dismiss outright. But then again, there's a lot of it that is not dismissible. There's slivers of truth in there. But I gotta say the theory does feel true. Like it feels 100% true. It seems like it is true. AI can write entire articles now and are capable of such amazing stuff like it's nuts. The bots are basically everywhere on the internet. The machine has its boots on everyone's necks. There is so much about the modern world that makes the dead internet theory feel real, even though it does have many disregardable attributes. All I know for certain is that the internet that I grew up with and used to love is dead. That's all for today's episode. So what do you think of the dead internet theory? When I talked about it with my friends on Discord, they said it doesn't really sound like a theory. Um, I hope I didn't cause a black swan event. Also, if my audio feels a bit off, it's actually been off since the Agartha episode, since I moved. 
I'm not an audio guy. I'm completely autodidactic. And that means self-taught. But what I mean is uh, I, when I moved, I had everything perfect and I got a lot of technical gear. Like I do got pretty good gear. I just don't know how to use it. And I haven't been able to get my system back into the quality that I had it before where I wanted it. <laughs> so if, it, if my audio seems a little bit off the past episodes, it's because I'm trying to figure, figure it out and get it back to the quality that I wanted at. My soundboard drives me nuts. Anyway, Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hubs. You look for us and we're there. If you can, please make sure to like and comment or review or share wherever you hear this content on whatever platform. The interaction will make the algorithms like the episode and we were just talking about a bunch of algorithms, so help a guy out, please. Though the show is free to listen to, the cost to produce it is substantial. Remember earlier I was talking about uh, internet rotten stuff? Yeah, I have to maintain all of my, my things and my website and pay for all of these platforms. So I'm not joking when I say that. You keep the lights on at Cryptic Chronicles and you also help keep the lights on by not supporting in other ways, just by actually by pleasing the algorithm gods. Just that alone, you do more than your part. But if you really, really like Cryptic Chronicles and you happen to be awesome, then support the show on Patreon. For just a dollar, you can unlock full uncensored shows with no ads or anything like that. You'll get access to exclusive podcast episodes. And of course, podcast episodes way in advance before anyone else gets them up to a month ahead of time, sometimes two months. And depending on the pledge, can even do other awesome stuff with me. And you should definitely join the Discord channel. Just go to crypticchronicles.com and at the top, click on the Chronicler's Vault. It's a link to Patreon and you'll be good to go. You could also just click on Patreon slash Cryptic Chronicles and that'll work too. It really means a lot to me and thank you. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and the YouTube channels on Patreon you also get way ahead of schedule, like a month ahead. And speaking of awesome, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, John, Celestial Weavers, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Paul, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, and of course, our newest patron, Max. Thank you for supporting Cryptic Chronicles, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the most awesome podcasters who ever lived once said, love yourself, think for yourself, and question authority.